Whether it's dealing with an extreme disruption like COVID-19 or just to be more effective as an everyday competitor, banks benefit from new ideas. They need innovators to identify ways to streamline current operations and to spot new business opportunities. On this week's podcast, we speak with Vanessa Colella, Chief Innovation Officer at Citi, about how financial institutions can and why they should embrace a culture that encourages and rewards innovation. Actionable insights can help power smart decisions. Each week, the BAI Banking Strategies podcast focuses on important issues facing financial services leaders, as well as the emerging trends that are rapidly reshaping the financial industry. I'm Terry Badger, your host and the managing editor at BAI. Pull up a chair and join us. Welcome to the BAI Banking Strategies podcast. Our guest today is Vanessa Colella, Chief Innovation Officer at Citi and the head of Citi Ventures. She's joining us to offer insights into how financial institutions should think about innovation, as well as some pointers on how they might put that thinking into practice. Vanessa, thanks for being with us on the podcast. Thank you, Terry. Appreciate it. You're the Chief Innovation Officer of Citi with some 200,000 employees around the world. So how does one go about building an innovation ecosystem within a company so large? And maybe you could talk a little bit about the challenges you face and some of the benefits that Citi gets from its innovation efforts. Sure. I think it's really important when you think about innovation to realize that even if you have a title like chief innovation officer, it doesn't mean that all innovation flows through me or my organization. I think you know innovation is as much a, a mindset and a way of thinking about the opportunities that you have at a company to drive change as it is an organization. Yeah, at City, we've spent a lot of time building a pretty broad innovation ecosystem, not only things like City Ventures, where we're looking at investing in companies, incubating ideas, uh, but also our innovation labs, as well as just inculcating a mindset within our businesses that encourages people to think differently about how they might serve our clients um, and how they might work together. So we think of it as a system that runs throughout the bank. And, you know, in terms of challenges, I think that's an important part of it. You know, we work at a, a highly regulated global bank. And innovation, of course, involves a lot of experimentation. So one thing that we've had to work on over the years is making sure that we have a way for our employees to experiment that doesn't in any way change the core mission of the bank, which is, of course, providing safety and security and certainty in the financial ecosystem. So what role does the top leadership at City play in creating the conditions necessary for this uh, innovative culture to take hold? And I'd imagine that those conditions maybe change over time when it comes to maintaining that culture. You know, we often say, Terry, that you know, culture is really the backbone of innovation. You can't have innovation if you don't have an understanding within the culture of a company about what it takes. And part of the reason for that is that you know, innovation is really all about ideas that you bring to the forefront. And people always talk about good ideas and bad ideas. Unfortunately, ideas are not sorted into two baskets when they arrive. And in fact, you know, good ideas often arrive, you know, wrapped up in several other bad ideas. And if you don't have 
a culture and leadership from the top of a company that says, you know, we want to understand your ideas. We want our employees to be ingenious. And we understand that that is a process that we're going to have to work together to figure out what are the good bits of those ideas and how do we build on those? If you have a, a finger pointing culture or a culture that looks for what's wrong, not, not what's right, it can be really hard to foster innovation, irrespective of how much everyone says that they want it. So we think that that leadership from the top is, is very important. Um, people need the space to innovate. They need the, the mindset to innovate and they need the support. They need the response to a new idea to be, gee, I really like this part of the idea, not that part of the idea is terrible. We all have many ideas. Some of them are good, some of them are bad, and lots of them are somewhere in between. So as part of the culture and part of the leadership at City, even if someone brings an idea and that idea turns out not to be validated in the market, we'll ask people, you know, what's your next idea? What else are you thinking? Right. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense to keep things looking forward in that sense. You're also the head of City Ventures. So can you give us a little bit of an overview on what City Ventures is and what its mission is within the larger city universe? Absolutely. So City Ventures is our, our venture capital, our equity investing practice at City. And you know, we've been doing this for, gosh, almost 10 years now. We think it's critically important to have you know a lot of connectivity throughout the ecosystem. That means not just thinking about what goes on at City, uh, but what goes on in the broader you know, entrepreneurial community. So whether you think about fintechs, which obviously we spend a lot of time in that space, or you know, new companies coming up with unique opportunities to solve cybersecurity issues, or companies that are using data and machine learning in innovative ways, or companies that think differently about commerce or are helping people to interact differently. Think of all the, the call center interactions, for instance, that a bank has. So we look to our venture investors at City to really bring the outside in, to help us think about what are the trends that people are spotting externally, what are new ideas that are coming up, how do we make sure that we are we are learning about that. And, and what we found, Terry, is that it wasn't enough for us to just be curious about the outside. We really had to be part of the ecosystem. And so when we invest, it's alongside of, of our entrepreneurs, our founders. Um, we think a lot about supporting them as they grow and scale their businesses. In fact, we won't invest in a company that we don't think we can help them to grow and scale their business. So we're trying to help these young businesses thrive. Um, at the same time, they're teaching us a lot about you know, the next frontier of banking and how we might change, improve what we're doing. Um, so that bringing the outside in, whether through investing or some of the other activities at Ventures, like the research that we do in academia with emerging tech and so on, you know, we're constantly trying to bring outside ideas into the bank to learn from what other people are discovering and oftentimes you know, create partnerships out of that activity. What factors of potential success are you and the team looking for when you're making an investment uh, externally or incubating an idea internally? Maybe you could share some examples of, of ideas that have succeeded and why they've succeeded. Sure. Well, let's take the external first and then, then we can move internal. 
you know, externally, when we look for companies, we're looking for companies, like I said before, that we think city in some way can help them scale efficiently and effectively. And that means that they've got to have some connectivity with what we do as a financial institution. You know, it could be that they might be a company where they're directly involved in helping us secure the bank or identify fraud. Um, it could be that they're a company that um, that perhaps one day will be part of a solution for clients. And I'll give you a couple of examples. Or it could be a company, we just recently launched um, the Impact Fund at City, which is really focused on um, corporate social responsibility. How do we find companies that are doing the right thing by way of you know the workplace, the environment, and so on. How do we you know make a point and a concerted effort to invest in more female-founded and minority-founded companies? So we're always looking for some kind of entrepreneur who's got an idea about how they can make the world better in a way that is some way connected to city. And the reason that that's important is that if an entrepreneur has a great idea, but it's in an area that we don't particularly do a lot of work in, then it's highly unlikely that we'll be able to help that entrepreneur succeed. Whereas if it's in an area that is in some way connected to city, when the time is right, we can help that entrepreneur. But we also, you know, we think about different ways of innovating at city. So whether you think about something like our partnership with a portfolio company, High Radius, that is now part of a um, an offering at City called Smart Match for our corporate clients. We're helping to bring new technologies to you know the distribution that a company like City affords, or you think about you know a program like D10X, which is much more an internal look at how do we understand what's going on externally, but enable our employees to really bring their ideas to the forefront as well. More about D10X. Now, we're, we're familiar with that since that program won BAI's 2019 Global Innovation Award for Leading Innovative Accelerator and Incubator. How can an employee who is, say, lower in the ranks get that innovation conversation started through D10X and then maybe advance that conversation uh, down the road? Well, first, Terry, let me thank you again for the recognition last year. Um, the team that's worked so hard to put this in place was deeply appreciative of that. And I think, you know, speaks to the fact that, you know, we've worked hard at City to make sure that, that D10X is accessible across the bank. Um, first off, for people who, who don't know about it, um, D10X stands for Discovering Exponentially Better Solutions for Our Clients. And it was born out of the idea that you know, entrepreneurs and startups have great ideas about how to change the world. Uh, our employees have great ideas about how to change the world too. <laughs> However, they work in a place, as we talked about before, that's highly regulated, where our clients depend on us for stability, reliability, predictability. And those three words are often kind of you know, run counter to the type of experimentation that you need to do when you're starting something new. So when we created D10X, we created it so that we could um, build a risk-free environment for our employees to be able to bring forth their ideas and have those ideas uh, validated to see if they were indeed something that our clients needed and ultimately brought to market if it turned out that that was something that was not only needed by clients but beneficial in the marketplace and a viable business. For instance, we had one of our early ideas was around the area of corporate governance and the fact that 
you know, we all receive, if you own a stock in the mail once a year, you receive a, a long ballot that says it's time for the annual meeting and, and you need to send in your proxy vote. Well, the proxy voting process is actually exceedingly manual. Um, and because of that, it is both very slow and often error prone. And in this day and age when governance is so important, um, two of our employees had combined more than 20 years of experience in our custody business, brought forth an idea of how we could create a platform that would allow transparency and near real-time voting that would both help the companies, the, the issuers of stock, as well as owners of stock. Uh, they called their idea proximity, they pitched it to a growth board, Within nine months, we had a working version of, of Proximity launched. Um, it's now expanded into multiple countries. Billions of shares have been voted on the platform. And this comes from you know, not only allowing employees to come forward with their ideas, but having a structure in place where they can both pitch their ideas and then importantly, validate them in a risk-free way. I will say that in order for our work in D10X to be successful, we have had the great pleasure and really relied on um, our entrepreneurs and residents to help train us all on what it's like to run a startup, what it's like to really validate something in the wild um, in order to help us figure out how to run that process effectively um, within the walls of city. So yeah, you mentioned the uh, entrepreneur and residents. Now, that sounds like it could be a dream job for just about any aspiring entrepreneur. How does somebody get to be that person at City? So we started this program when we started D10X, realizing that you know there are certain things you learn when you work in a big corporation, and there are other things that you learn when you work in a startup. And if we were going to combine the assets of a company at the scale of City with the ingenuity of how people sort of react nimbly and flexibly and quickly in a startup, we needed a lot more of that startup blood to rely on. And so uh, when we started the Entrepreneur in Residence program, we look for people who have startup experience, who've built products from the ground up, who have, you know, who have figured out how to raise money. And the reason for it isn't because we're trying to help all of our employees become entrepreneurs. It's because when you are an entrepreneur, you are highly attuned to being client focused, right? Why? Because if you are not client focused, you will not be able to sell whatever it is that you're building. And if you can't sell whatever it is that you're building, you will go out of business. Um, so that like acute view of how do I think about validating my idea, crafting the solution, building the prototype, building the product at every single one of those phases, entrepreneurs bring something very special in terms of how they're able to focus on the client need, how they are able to adjust their idea as they go, as we've talked about before, right? Ideas are not good or bad. They're almost always both. So how do you pivot or adjust those ideas as you go? And we've learned a tremendous amount. I, at this point, you know, we've been running the program for 
four and a half years, we've had many dozens of entrepreneurs and residents, some of whom stay with us for a long period of time, some of whom are just really curious for a shorter period of time about applying their expertise and what they've learned in a setting that is so different from what they're accustomed to. The size of city, the scale of city. I mean, obviously that's a that's a big part of your innovation story, but for smaller financial institutions uh, that may have different resource levels than you have, is there still a path to creating an innovative environment? And uh, what are the necessary conditions, the necessary mindset for that to happen? Sure. So I think there's always a path. And while city is large, we've tried to be, you know, as, as innovative as we can within City Ventures to think about, you know, what can we do even in places where we don't always have all of the resource, right? So how do we think about things differently? For instance, a couple of years ago, we launched a program called, um, called Cupid, which is our City University Partnerships and Innovation and Discovery Program. And it was really for two reasons. One, we wanted to make sure that we were giving students on campus an understanding of what it might be like to work at City, right? If you if you think about it, so many jobs today um, have become kind of opaque, right? It, we're not living in an agrarian age where it's very obvious or physically and tangibly what it is that people do for work. You know, my young son thinks that I talk on the phone and do email, which sometimes feels shockingly accurate. <laughs> um, but Cupid was meant to give university students an opportunity to see and feel what it's like to do innovation at a company like City, And at the same time, give us access to their perspective, how their brains work, what they're thinking about, what's important to them, what expertise they can bring to the table. And those are the kinds of things that you can do, you know, irrespective of your size. The important thing is, is thinking through with, with what resource you have, how can you be creative about bringing together communities, getting you know, diverse groups of people around a problem to, um, to create solutions? Yeah, Vanessa, certainly other financial innovators look to City Ventures as a trendsetter, as a role model, but I'm wondering where you look for inspiration. Where do you find it? Um, I try and find it everywhere. First of all, I have an amazing team and I learn new things from them every single day. I have a young son and he constantly pushes me to think about the world differently. And I try a lot to, to think about lots and lots of different industries. We obviously have the advantage in banking that our clients come from you know, every industry imaginable. Um, and I think you know, I find it just intellectually interesting to think about patterns that cross from different places and how you can bring things together. So whether it's, you know, working with a team, just personally taking inspiration from things in your life or thinking about like, what's different out there? What can I learn from something that isn't in my day to day? Um, for me, all those things keep me going. So Vanessa Colella, Chief Innovation Officer at City and Head of City Ventures, Thanks again for making the case for why financial institutions should promote a top-to-bottom culture of innovation. Thanks, Terry. Great talking to you. Three takeaways from today's podcast with City's Vanessa Colella. First, innovation can come from anywhere within a financial institution, so culture is key. That's what can embolden employees to come up with ways to help middling organizations get good, 
and good organizations get great. An innovative mindset starts at the top and filters down so workers at all levels know their ideas for improvement are welcome. It's understood that not every idea is going to be a game changer. In fact, some ideas will have no impact at all. That comes with the territory when trying to tap into the bank's collective brain power. And while innovation should be part of a bank's DNA, any eye toward change needs to line up with the institution's fundamental missions. As Vanessa points out, customers look for their banks to be stable and reliable, so any efforts at innovation should not buck too hard against these expectations. This generally means solving for an already recognized weakness or gap, or upgrading an existing product or process. Most banks are not going to be spinning off their innovations into standalone companies. The measure of success in most cases will be on a much more modest scale. And finally, along with the right culture, mentoring can help get the germ of an idea to the viability stage. Of course, not every financial institution is like City, with the heft to hire entrepreneurs and residents to cultivate enterprising minds or to extract the winning part of an idea from within a cluttered shell. Even at smaller banks, mentoring relationships leave plenty of room for a win-win-win. Aspiring innovators get guidance and connections, mentors get satisfaction from sharing their savvy, and banks get efficiencies or new business opportunities. Thanks again for joining us for the BAI Banking Strategies podcast. I'm Terry Badger, Managing Editor of BAI, and until next time, stay safe and stay healthy.